And these symbols are a framework for us to understand the true story of God. And if we look at the true story of God, we remember the very beginning creation, this symbol right here, is that God establishes his kingdom here on earth by creating all things good, man, woman, in his image, and he looks at his creation, he says, this is very good, and God is walking with Adam and Eve, and he's, he's their king, and he, it's a perfect relationship, and Adam and Eve have everything they need in God. And then we get to the second act of the story, and we see that there's rebellion in the kingdom. That Adam and Eve, instead of believing that God is the good king who could rule over them in the most perfect way, the most best possible way, Adam and Eve choose to be, believe the lie of the serpent that they would be better off if they were following their own ways. They don't need God to be ruler or master or king over them. And so once Adam and Eve choose to believe a lie of the serpent that they would be better off without God, sin enters into the story. And now death is present. And sin doesn't only just mar Adam and Eve's life, it just, it just mars the entire creation. Now there's thorns and there's thistles There'll be pain in childbearing, God tells Eve. But even in the midst of that rebellion, God, the good king, tells Adam and Eve a promise that one day, through Eve's lineage, there would come one who will set to right all that is wrong now that will restore all that is broken, not just the human heart, but all of creation. And so we jump through Genesis chapters three through 11 and we look at the rebellion and we see then throughout the rest of the Old Testament here, there's this promise that continues that God the king chooses a people, Israel, and he says, Israel, you're going to be a light to the nations. You're going to go into all the world and you're going to show them and tell them that God is king. That only by walking in his ways can you truly have the best way possible to live. And he gives them his laws. And he gives them these rules to follow that will help them to flourish. And Israel says, we're going to do it. God, we're going we're gonna to follow you. We're going to be a light to the nations. You tell us what to do. We're going to do that. And those of us who know the story, how, how well did that go? Israel did well for a while until they started noticing all the other kingdoms around them. They go, wait a minute. We don't have an earthly king. We want to be like them. And so they demand that God give them an earthly king. Because God as king over them wasn't good enough. And God in his mercy and his love sends these judges and then later sends these prophets who come back to Israel and say, D -d don't do that. Follow God alone. God is your king. God is the one who will give you the best possible way to live. Follow him. You don't need an earthly king to rule over you. And Israel goes, no, no, no. We want one. 
We want to be just like all the other nations. See, what Israel had forgotten is that they were called to be set apart, to be a light to the nations, to point them to God. Instead, Israel wanted to be just like the other nations. And so God gives them an earthly king. And these earthly kings would rise and fall all throughout the history of Israel. One king came along by the name of David, who scripture said was a man after God's own heart. And God continued this promise to his people because even though Israel continued to sin and sin continued to mar God's good creation, God loved his people so much that he continued to hold out this promise and he said to his people that through David, who is an earthly king, and even though he loves me, he fails, and we know the story of David, he fails bad. Through David, I'm going to send a king who will come and will restore all that is broken. See, this was a promise that God had made all the way back in the garden, right? And he continued this promise. And now we see this, through the prophets, this kingdom language come into play. There would be a king through David who God would send that would right all that is wrong, defeat evil, Rescue Israel once again from all the pagan nations that began to oppress them all throughout their history. And these prophets and this area here of promise spoke often of this. Uh, For example, Ezekiel spoke of this king that God would send would be a shepherd of his people. Zechariah wrote that God would come fully and finally with his angels to establish his kingdom here on earth. Malachi said that the king would come again to his holy temple. And the prophet Isaiah said that God would reveal his glory to all nations perfectly and finally. It was Isaiah who held out this promise that when the king finally would come and make all wrong turn to right, that this king would come in power and would come in might, but this king would also come gentle like a shepherd, caring for his sheep. And it was Jesus who embodied this vision that Isaiah Put forth. And by the time that Jesus enters into the scene, here we have redemption. The king has returned. And so Israel was looking for the king to come in power and might, but had no idea that the king promised in the Old Testament would be one who would come in humility and who'd give his life to rescue. See, Isaiah had said, this is what the king will look like. Isaiah 52, 7 through 10, I think we got the scriptures up there.
Isaiah writes, how beautiful upon the mountains are the feet of him who brings good news, who publishes peace, who brings good news of happiness, who publishes salvation, who says to Zion, and Zion was the name given to Jerusalem, was the holy name of the city of God's people. Your God reigns. Isaiah is saying, do you know how good it will be for the people of God to display the good news that the king is coming? This is good. The voice of your watchmen, those who are looking forward toward the promised king, they will lift up their voice. Together they will sing with joy. For eye to eye they see the return of the Lord, Yahweh, to Zion. So break forth together into singing. All the waste places of Jerusalem, basically where people are feeling down and discouraged, the Lord is coming and has comforted his people. He has redeemed Jerusalem. The Lord has barred his holy arm before the eyes of all of the nations, and all the ends of the earth shall see the salvation of our God. This is the vocation that Jesus took upon himself. This is the vocation that Jesus, when he came to earth, said, I will accomplish the will of the Father. And what Isaiah is saying here is that the king would come and would bring healing to every single nation, that he would be a light to the nations, and that the people of God would be a light to the nations. This is good news. And when Jesus shows up on the scene, he embodies this vision. And he perfectly fulfills this vision. See, he teaches all throughout his life what the kingdom really looks like. Remember the story of the prodigal son? Probably heard that story before. If you haven't, just it's the story of this son who who decides that he no longer wants to be a part of the family. And he takes the inheritance from his father and he goes and he leaves in disgrace and he squanders all that he has and he comes to his senses and realizes, what have I done? I had it so good when I was with my dad. I've blown it. And he comes back to his father humbled, lost everything, thinking, well, maybe my father will let me just be a servant. And the father sees his son, and he runs out to meet his son with open arms, and he welcomes him back into the fold. And when Israel heard this story, they were thinking, the king is coming, and going to restore Israel, and going to destroy all the enemies. And everyone that doesn't follow God, they're going to be destroyed. That was the way they saw that picture. It was a call to arms, to battle against Rome. But Jesus was telling a whole different picture and a whole different story with what the kingdom would look like. That instead of a call to arms, it was to have open arms to welcome in the lost and the broken, the outcast. And Jesus was was saying, through my work, the kingdom is here but it's not about military might. It's about welcoming the lost into the kingdom of God. 
And all throughout Jesus' life, he's telling stories about kings and masters who return to see what their servants are up to. And Jesus is radically upending all of Israel's idea of what this kingdom would look like. It was going to be a kingdom that wouldn't come with military force. It was a kingdom that was coming with love and forgiveness. Hope for those who were the least, the lost, and the left out. And when Jesus teaches his disciples here to pray that the kingdom would come and God's will would be done, here on earth as it is in heaven. This was a prayer that Jesus would finish the mission that God had called him to do. And that mission was to release the captives, to set humanity free, to defeat evil, and to return God's presence fully and finally to earth among his creation. And when Jesus was crucified on the cross, everyone thought that mission failed. I mean, this was Jesus who said, the kingdom's here. When he began his ministry in Mark, he says, the kingdom is now here. Repent and believe the good news about the kingdom. That in and through me, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one can come to the Father except through me. The kingdom of God is present. Jesus believed that through his work, death would no longer have the victory. That through his work, we who were now alienated from God could be made right with God. And when Jesus was crucified, everybody thought that was thrown out the window. Jesus had failed. The kingdom he had promised wasn't here. But the resurrection proved him wrong. When Jesus rose on the third day, new life bursts through. And now we see that the kingdom had come. God's will had been done because Jesus in his life, death, and resurrection defeated death, Satan, and the grave. And so the first believers at that time of Jesus they believed that. They truly believed that the kingdom had come in Christ. But they were asking questions that we ask today, like, if the kingdom is here, then why is there still injustice? If the kingdom of God is present among us, why is there still evil? Why hasn't God completed all the work? It's a question we ask often. It may not be kingdom language that you ask, but it's like, if God did the work, if the resurrection is true and there's new life, why do we see such brokenness still around us? And Jesus in his teaching taught that alongside the healing power that he ushered in, there still would be evil right there with him. Still was going to occur until he fully and finally would come again to bring the new creation to bear. And if we go back to our symbols, we find ourselves here in this time of the church to spread the good news of the king. 
Because Jesus also taught that the kingdom would be delayed fully and finally so that others may enter in. That the kingdom wouldn't come in its entirety so that every man, woman, and child from every tribe and nation and language and people would have the opportunity to hear the good news of the kingdom and to enter in. That's why Jesus sends out his disciples at the end of Matthew and he says, I have all the authority in heaven and earth. I'm king. So now I am sending you out to make disciples of all nations and to baptize them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit and to teach them to obey everything that I have taught you. We find ourselves now as the church carrying on that mission to let people know that the kingdom is already here in Christ, but it's not yet fully present. And we still see brokenness, and we still see harm, and we still see injustice in our life just because God is giving an opportunity still to allow people to come into the kingdom. Jesus taught it. And so when we pray, your kingdom come, God, your will be done here on earth as it is in heaven, we're asking God to make that kingdom fully present now. Bring it, God. Bring your full presence here on earth. Right all that is wrong. Put an end completely and finally to death and sin and Satan. And until that time comes, we keep spreading the news of this king. We're spreading the news that someday the new creation will come. That Jesus will return as king once again. And he will write all that is wrong. He will make not only human hearts perfect, he will make all creation perfect. So when we pray, Father, your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven, we're praying for God to make redemption come to all things. That's our call. What does it look like to pray that prayer. And here's the deal. If we pray, Father, your kingdom come and your will be done, then we need to be ready to act like that. It's not just a prayer we say with our mouths. It's a lifestyle. It's an action of saying, Jesus, I'm taking on the call as your missionary to go into all the world, wherever you may take me, to my workplace, to my neighborhood, into the coffee shops, to tell the good news, share these symbols with the people we run into, spreading the news of the king. I love how N.T. Wright puts it in his book about the good news of the gospel. He says that this prayer goes something like this. Father, make us kingdom bearers. Make us a community of healed healers. Make us a retuned orchestra 
to play the kingdom music until the world takes up that song. Make us, Father, servants of the Messiah King. The few with the message for the many. Family, to pray your kingdom come and your will be done is to say that, Jesus, we want you to use us to spread the message of who you are and what you've done. What does that look like for us? Looks like a couple things, and then we're gonna, we're gonna do something different here, uh, kind of hope flesh that out. But I, I think what, that, what we need to do, first of all, to answer that question, what does it look like for us to pray that prayer? It looks like, number one, we have to keep our eyes on the Father, constantly. Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. Your glory displayed for all the world to see. Your glory displayed in my parenting. Your glory displayed in the work I do every single day at my job. Your glory displayed in the way I love my spouse or the way I love my neighbor, the way I take care of my finances, the way I speak words to people I don't care for. Hallowed be your name. We got to start there. Then the second thing is, is that we pray, Jesus, bring redemption to this world. May man, woman, and child see the good news, Jesus, that you, the God-man, gave your life on the cross so that we might have forgiveness of sin, that we might be made new creations, that we might now be alive. As that song said this morning, we are free in Christ. No longer are we bound by guilt or shame because of what we've done or what's been done through or to us. That now when we come to faith in Jesus, the one who took our place because we rebelled against God, we now are free to go into all the world and say, this is what Jesus has done. He is the way, the truth, and the life. The shedding of his blood is offered for the forgiveness of many. Would you come? Would you partake in this story? The king is coming back to restore all things, and he wants you to follow him. That's the story of the cross. That was a kingdom that came that looked so radically different than what the Jews thought. It looked so radically different than what people today think. No, salvation is going to be how much money I make next year. Salvation is going to look like uh, how much uh, status I have in the eyes of my colleagues or how well my kids turn out. Salvation is found in the king who gave his life so that we might live. And now we are free to spread that message of the king. That's what it looks like. And so what I want us to do just for a few minutes here, as we are not just passive observers, but active participants, I want you to think, I'm gonna, we're going to have you get up and we're going to have you move just for a few minutes here. Just bear with me, okay? I mean, our chairs are already messed up as it is. We might as well mess up everything else this morning. 
Okay, we got th- I got three stations over here, whiteboard over here, whiteboard over there, whiteboard over here. And there's this idea of your kingdom come, your will be done here on earth as it is in heaven. And I want you to just kind of break up into groups. And I want you just to kind of brainstorm and dream and build and, and, and think through, if we pray for God, your kingdom to come here on earth, what will that look like? How do we as kingdom bearers then go into the here, the city, Peoria, Glendale, Avondale? What does it look like, Jesus, to pray your kingdom come here? Then I want you to think through, God, what does it mean for us to pray that your kingdom come near in other areas of this country? We already see what it's doing in Colorado City as we have the Olson set there and the, and the work being done there that the first church is being planted, the first Christian church among the FLDS. Isn't that crazy? Who would have thought that would happen? What does your kingdom look like in the near? And then I want you to go further and say, what would it mean, Father, for your kingdom come, your will be done here on earth in the far and we're already sending out the Lamkas to Ecuador. We're already sending mirrorheads out to India. We already, that's a no-brainer. Write that one down. What else does that look like? I want us to think through that. I'm going to give us some time just to talk through that. Write it down. And then we're going to spend some time to pray over that. What is the kingdom look like God to bring here. Let's just, let's ask him, give us vision, big ideas, small ideas of what that would practically look like. So we're gonna do this for about 10 minutes and I'm gonna direct you, okay? So up, you can grab some coffee, grab some food and then break out into different sections over here. Appoint somebody to write down with the marker. Go. I'll give, you, I'll give you a hint to help start this. Let me give you a hint of what the, I believe when we pray your kingdom come, your will be done. It looks like taking somebody who just called us this week from the city of Peoria, whose fa- uh, husband is in hospice, and she needs her entire yard cleaned up because she can't do it. She got a notice from the city. If you don't get it done, you're fined. She can't pay it. God, your kingdom come and your will be done here looks like maybe there's some missional communities that go to that lady and go, we're going to take care of that for you. We're going to give you a foretaste of what the king is going to finally do someday. That's just an idea. Go with that. Guys, let's take, let's take some time now. Um, as I've walked around, you have some incredible ideas. I know there's some more discussion. And don't let this discussion stop today. Keep thinking through this. Keep thinking through it this week. And I'll take pictures of all these. I'll post them on the city for us to be praying through. But take some time now. Let's take about two minutes and just in your groups pray that God's kingdom would come and his will would be done here on earth as it is in heaven in light of what you've written down. Let's take two minutes to do that.
Father, we thank you that we can approach you, our Father in heaven, and we can say, hallowed be your name, display your glory. Father, would you do that as you bring your kingdom here and your will as well, that it would be present fully and finally. And God, as we pray through these items and these different ways that we're asking you to bring your kingdom here on earth, God, direct our hearts. May we be a faithful people to pray this. Jesus, as we are sent ones spreading the news of the king, empower us with your spirit to do this work so that every man, woman, and child would see you and glorify you, Father. See the son, the true king, empowered by the spirit. God, do your work in and through us for your glory. And Father, now as we come to the table, we partake of the bread and the, the cup, and it reminds us that the king who came gave his life for us. And to enter into that kingdom, to enter into your story means to embrace all that he did, to believe all that he said he was. As we take this morning of these elements, Father, we ask that we be reminded once again that those who are in Christ are new creations. We are free by the blood of Jesus that has set us free from sin. And his resurrection gives us new life. And we spread the news of the king for the days that we have left, God reminding and pointing people that the king will come back and will make all right. May this supper that we take this, this morning nourish our faith to remind ourselves and to remind others of that truth. We ask this in the name of Jesus the King. Amen. Amen.